the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike LaCroix. Music provided by the 48th Highlanders of Canada. Today's guest, Chief Warrant Officer Brian Budden, CD, former Regimental Sergeant Major of the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada. I had the opportunity in 1971 to go over to Germany on NATO exercise with three Mech Commando. I did a four months roughly and uh, going in July and that really changed me too. My outlook and responsibility, the stuff you had to do to change your right now and make you from a young man into a, a real man. Welcome to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. I'm going to start off today's episode with just a little bit of news. I have decided to change regiments. So it's called a transfer. Basically what has happened was earlier in the summer, my wife and I were out kayaking. We were out at the Massasauga Provincial Park. We had some time to think and some time to discuss, and we decided that it was time to retire from the Canadian Forces. That would give me more time to produce the show and carry on some other activities. I discussed this plan or this idea with some good friends like Emmett Kelly and Grant Lawson, both previous guests on the show, and I also discussed it with an officer from the Toronto Scottish who I respect. For those that don't know, my previous regiment was the Toronto Scottish and I served there as the regimental sergeant major. And I got a job offer. Instead of releasing or retiring, I got a job offer to come back to the Toronto Scottish and work on regimental priorities which as a former RSM makes a lot of sense that that would be a job that would not only appeal to me, but something that I could do quite well. Over the past few weeks, during the summer of 2016, I have had the opportunity to transfer from the Grey and Simcoe Foresters, who I will miss greatly, and back to the Toronto Scottish. So I'm working on regimental priorities, regimental events, regimental clothing. I'm learning how to work with vendors, learning how to source regimental kit. I have an excellent teammate who is invaluable, Corporal Steve Lee. Basically, all I've got to do is make sure the money flows to him so that he can keep doing the excellent work that he's already been doing. So that's been keeping me busy throughout the summer. Heading into the fall, I'm looking forward to a very significant event. It is the 10th anniversary Toronto commemoration of Operation Medusa. Aunt Medusa was part of the Battle of Panjwe. It was fought by the 1RCR Battle Group. During the operation, there were many casualties that were taken, both killed in action and wounded in action, and it was a very difficult objective for the Battle Group to take. It was a very difficult moment in the life of the Royal Canadian Regiment, and specifically the 1st Battalion of the Royal Canadian Regiment. And if you want to hear more, I would recommend you go back in time and listen to the episode with General Lavoie and Master Corporal Jody Middick. They highlight the events of that battle quite thoroughly and in good detail during their episode. So like I said, in October of 2016, specifically the 20th of October 2016, at 7.30 p.m., we'll be commemorating the 10th anniversary of Op Medusa. The address is 70 Birmingham Street, in Toronto and from there if you want to attend just send me an email mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com and I'll save you a seat. Once again that is the 20th of October 2016 for all of our future listeners I think you missed it and it is at 70 Birmingham Street in Toronto 
the regimental headquarters of the Toronto Scottish Regiment. So if you're driving, you don't have an opportunity to write that down, you can go on my Facebook page. The event is listed on my own personal Facebook page. It's also listed on the Facebook page of the Toronto Scottish Regiment. So please look it up, and I hope to see you there. Still looking for guests? This episode with Brian Budden, with Chief Warrant Officer Brian Budden, was recorded along with a whole bunch of episodes in May of 2016. So I recorded four episodes in a very short period of time, and it's taken me throughout the entire summer of 2016 to find the time to edit and post these episodes for you to listen to. So they've been a little bit spread out, which is fine, but this is the last of my recordings that I've had in the can. So now I need to go back into attraction phase. I am looking for people who would like their story preserved and recorded. I'm looking for veterans of the Korean War. I don't have any Korean War veterans so far, and we know that their story is vital to preserve. I'm looking for more members of the Royal Canadian Navy, our friends in the sky, the Royal Canadian Air Force. It's always easy for me to get infantry guys on the show, but there are so many other trades that are out there in the world of the Canadian Forces, both serving and veterans. So if you know some good people that need their stories preserved or recorded, please give me a hand. Reach out to me at MikeLacroixCMHP at gmail.com, and I'll be very happy to record, preserve, edit, and post their stories. Today's guest is Chief Warrant Officer Brian Button, who served as the Regimental Sergeant Major of the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada. The Queen's Own Rifles of Canada currently serve out of the Moss Park Armory, which is located near Queen and Jarvis in the City of Toronto. The Queen's Own Rifles of Canada are part of 32 Canadian Brigade Group in Toronto. They are a reserve unit, however, they had a past in the regular force. They have a light infantry role and they have a parachute capability as well. And I have some good friends in there, including Warrant Officer Justin Thorne, who was a previous guest on the show. The Queen's Own Rifles of Canada were raised as the second battalion of the Volunteer Militia Rifles of Canada, and they were formed in April of 1860. Parts of their early history included the Fenian Raids, the Northwest Rebellion, the South African War, and on into the Great War. The first battle that was recorded and fought by the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada was during the Fenian Raids, and is known as the Battle of Ridgeway. And that was fought in 1866, and by coincidence, the anniversary of that engagement was just commemorated in the town of Ridgeway this past summer in 2016. Now, Chief Warrant Officer Brian Budden does not go back all the way to the Fenian Raids and back to 1866, but most people would probably say he does. In his own words, Brian Budden says he bleeds green, and most people would think that means army. However, I think he's specifically talking about the distinctive rifle green uniform of the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada. Here's my interview with Chief Warrant Officer Brian Budden. Chief Warrant Officer Budden, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. So, Brian, you and I first met at the Christmas dinner of the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada. I believe it was 2013. I attended with my command team partner, Colonel Hobbs. We were at the invitation of the commanding officer, Colonel St. Denis, and the RSM, Paul Martin. 
And the unique thing about that dinner is one of the other guests was W02 Sam McGee, and that was the last dinner that he was able to attend with the Queen's Own. The annual men's Christmas dinner, which they have every year in December, as uh, the association partakes of, we do presentation of awards. It's the comradeship we get together with the troops there, and we had veterans there, of course, and one of them was Sergeant Major Sam McGee, who was uh, with the Special Forces, who went all through Normandy up to Holland, and it was very honored to be presented with his Special Forces coin and certificate. So that made it a great, uh, it was very, uh, it's very nice to have. Yeah, I'm going to have to check my coins and see if I have a Sam McGee coin. I'm pretty sure I have one. If you're going to make a remark about someone's funeral, one of the things that I did remark was there was a bunch of people that came down from Petawawa when Sam passed away, mm-hmm. and they were the ceremonial guard for his funeral. They were from the Canadian Special Operations Regiment and other people affiliated with special forces within the groups in Petawawa. And right. at the conclusion of his funeral... It was in Oshawa. It was a nice sunny day. Uh, Hercules flew over. And I thought, what an incredible amount of timing. I'm in touch with his daughter quite a bit, Jennifer. Right. And we are good friends and all that stuff. And he just named the street after Sam this past year in Oshawa. Oh, that's right. Yeah, him and another vet. He's with the Master Corporal in the regiment. He's out now. He's a firefighter. Yeah, but he, his father named the street after him. Right. Yeah. yeah, she had listened to the podcast. Yep. She had listened to the podcast after the street naming ceremony, and I heard through some third parties that being able to listen to her father's voice brought her some comfort. So oh, I appreciate that that was a side effect of the show. This is what it's all about, this podcast, because we were, oh, it's great to have people can go back to it. It's almost like the, you've heard about the Memory Project. Yeah, I have. Okay, and I had some of our veterans do that, the Memory Project, and they do it over the phone, but it's not like this type of deal. Well, they ask questions and they would go on there because some of them didn't want to speak and some did. Yeah, I have a lot of guests that are hesitant to have their stories recorded. It's something that my kids and grandkids might want to someday, hey, what about my, what did my grandfather do or what did my dad do? It's always something to have back in there in mind. Sounds good, Brian. Let's get your story recorded. And why don't you tell me why you chose to join the Canadian Armed Forces? Okay, it goes back when I was 16 years old and I needed a summer job. And my some of my family members were in the Armed Forces. I had one that my grandfather was in the Second War with the uh, 48th Highlanders of Canada. And my uncle was, at that time, was the RSM of the regiment. Wow. That is one reason why I wanted to join. I joined on the summer uh, program in 1970. And ever since then, I enjoyed it so much. I stayed around and I made some great friends. And the camaraderie between all the people I've met has been great. So your family served in the 48th Highlanders, but you, did you get lost on the parade square? (laughs) No, I didn't get lost on the parade square. Well, he was 48. My uncle, who uh, you'll hear later what I'm going to talk about him as being one of my mentors, was was the RSM of the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada. Right. And my dad was too young for the war, so he did join in 50 with the Lawrence Scots in uh, New Toronto, where they had seven armies in New Toronto. So I got attached with the the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada and, and that period of time in that summer program and that's why I stayed with that one regiment that's why I was still with the clean zone yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and what was the world like when you joined back then it was completely different from what it is now but I mean it was I was involved in sports I played hockey I played baseball and that but this was a note the summertime was you know, I think well let's, let's give it a, a go at it I thought maybe just for the summer I join up but I think it took me by the, by surprise and I, I enjoyed it so much that's why I still suck around right do you remember anything from those times in 1970 
oh geez, in 1970, is that when the long hair was still out and the <laughs> different, uh, the music was the style? But that's where it was sort of going in and getting your hair hair short and learning how your dress and deportment and everything else was a big thing. And that it made me, it changed me. I was very shy then. Right. It changed me into an individual that it was, I learned a lot. And that's one thing that I've uh, come out from the armed forces is, as I learned a lot of getting out of that shell and it made me a, a better person. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of guests reflect on how shy they were prior to joining and then they develop into very dynamic personalities. I think you're you're not the first person to have that as their initial story. So Yeah, my mother tells me that quite a bit, <laughs> believe it or not. And my mother's still alive, 84, still going. Is there anything else you can tell me about when you joined? Any anecdote or any story? I can remember the first time we went up to Petawawa for the concentration. It was a whole different, that's where you had to look after yourself. And that's where you got very close to your peers. You're making hoochies and sleeping out and just getting away from, it was, you're doing your military thing. And it was, you know, you just felt so good about doing anything with your peers, your subordinates too. Yeah, excellent. Mm -hmm. Those shared hardships, that's what really makes it or breaks it. Yeah, you got her. Yeah, and it got a piece of me, and I and it just well, you hooked me in a way like and and, and that's the way I was hooked into the armed forces. Then when the Queen's own, I I thought it was I met a lot of different guys from different regiments too, and it really it was great, and I learned a lot, and it, it did me well in my work uh, my workplace afterward. That's what I hope employers are looking for is those skills that come out of military training. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I worked for IBM for 28 years, and what they did there, they give you military time off, which is great. So that worked out well anyway, because especially going on courses. Or, but they even the, the specials, uh, they would come and uh, come up to Camp Borden, actually, or even uh, down to the armory. And this is what people do outside of work. Yeah, those programs continue today. Yeah, I, that's what I, I see that, which is great now. And see, that's what the difference in 1970. We had a lot of guys that couldn't get the time off to progress in rank or get their courses because their job, yeah, the family thing. And I was very fortunate that I was I could get that time off most of the time anyway, depending on what. But and so that's a different from back then to now. It's more recognized now. The military is more recognized, especially when back in 70 there wasn't much going on of the Cold War yeah. type of thing. And and I had the opportunity and. 1971 to go over to Germany on NATO exercise with three Met Commando. Yeah, I did a uh, four four months roughly, and uh, going in July, and that really changed me too. My outlook and responsibility, the stuff you had to do. And they, as soon as we got it, we joined up with the regular force. This is reserve, or regular force to change you right now and make you from a young man into a, a real man. <laughs> they told me no, and, and it's kind of neat. No, and it, and I still run into a few of these guys that were in three Met Commando in '71. It, it really it changes your outlook. Certainly, whole new responsibility, and that's one thing that that I needed, and I think the kids some of them need it nowadays. Yes, I agree. I was definitely a different soldier when I went to Germany and when I came back. Yeah. So I know exactly what definitely, you mean. Definitely. It was an eye opener and you did your thing together. You worked hard together and you trained together. And that was with a, a great experience. Speaking about great experiences, what is your most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces or your greatest achievement? I think when we when I was in to get um, my goals were okay after the first couple of years I was in I said well I'm looking I said well maybe the goal is to be regimental sergeant major of the Queen's Zone right because I had some mentors that were there my uncle was one of them there was another one uh, Harry Fox 
who I got to know very well and who was RSM of the Queen's Own and the HCP. I got very involved. I, we, we learned a lot from him and from my uncle, Sid Byatt, who was bugle major too afterwards. But they were same driving force that I really wanted. There was one thing, the galloping horses meant a lot to me. And I, when I seen what the RSM did, so I set my goal to be RSM. Right. And you made it, obviously. Yes, I did make it. And are there any memorable experiences as your term of the RSM? I was involved in the uh, anniversaries of, uh, we did the Feu de Chois at, at the City Hall. Right. Which is a rifle tradition of the firing of the rifles. Did the drumhead service, the opportunity to go over to uh, Normandy for the anniversary. It was the uh, the 30th anniversary of D-Day. Right. And uh, serving as the RSM uh, with the veterans at that time was very emotional. It was, I, uh, being the RSM at that time was quite of a, I thought, great just to be that and to look at these veterans and uh, have the time with them. Well, I know that the Queen's Own have always had an active presence in Normandy with commemorating their history and their involvement in that operation in World War II. Exactly. And that's why I got involved afterwards, after I retired, you know, like that, yeah, retired in the association. That's why I do, I've done tours. I have done six or seven tours in Normandy. We've done Holland. And last year, I was involved when we went to Newfoundland, where the Queen's Own were there in 1940, which was a great thing with the, the tradition with the uh, the Queen's Own and the history. Going back now, we're 156 years old now, and we're working on an activity that's going to be in June of this year of Ridgeway. Right. Yes, the Battle of Ridgeway. You might make it there. <laughs> what is the name of the regimental house in Normandy. Okay, it was called Mason, the Queen's Own. Mason means house. Yep. And I was the president in 1997 when we put... Have you been there before? No, I haven't. I'm going next year. Okay, so I'll give you an update on who to meet. And I know the <laughs> Hoffer family who owns the house. They own half the house anyways. But 1997, we went over and the honor colonel that time was General Pryor and the commanding officer was Steve Brand. And we went over ahead of time and we put the plaques up on the, uh, the front of the house. There's a black uh, mesa on the Queen's Own. And then there's a pedestal, in front is a pedestal, was talking about the action, what happened on June the 6th, 1944. And then the German bunker, which B Company went on, we lost a lot of guys in B Company, where the German bunker was, this pillbox, machine gun, and we put a big Queen's Own crest on top of it, a big monument on top. Right. And they get a lot of visitors from the regiment throughout the year? Throughout the year, they do, especially around the June 6th time. Right. A lot a lot of visitors uh, back then. I mean, they open their houses. They're very generous people, the people from France. So I get quite involved. There's a group called the Westlake Brothers Souvenir Association. Have you heard of them? I think I have. I can't recall it off the top of my head. Yeah, okay. They're from Normandy, and their president is a guy, a fellow named a school teacher named Christophe Colette. And they, I'm an honorary member of their association, but they were just here this past summer. Now, you might have heard what happened was the Army Parade Square at Moss Park was getting done, resurfaced. And we were trying to get a spot for them to stay because they used to, they come in, the first time they come over in 2011, they stayed at Dalton Army, which you know is closed now. Right. And that's where we put them up there in 2011. So I was scrambling. I'm sort of the go-to guy here in Toronto to find out spaces. But we did finally get a spot, and uh, Colonel Banerjee called me, and he said, we can get them in the classrooms at Moss Park, but they can't use the freight square. So that's where we do our services. We do it, you know, our monuments on the wall there. Oh, yes, absolutely. We do it there. But I did a change. We did it up at the church. They were only here for five days, but another activity I'm involved in, I don't know if you're aware of it, I'm the chief parade marshal for Warriors Day Parade. Oh, great. 
at CNE. That's another. <laughs> I've been involved with them for, uh, I've been the chief parade marshal for three years, but last year we honored the Westlake Brothers Souvenir as a group. They had 45 went through on the parade fair on the, uh, in the honor section, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. The Warriors Day Parade, I remember participating in that, yep. but nowadays it seems to take place exactly during the biggest part of our summer concentration. When I was RSM, we did do it one year and it worked out because the concentration used to be in July. They were, did it earlier, something that year. So we marched in and we did the double pass in the old CNE, you know, the grandstand? Yes. That's where we used to do it back then. We had the band out. So over the years, we well, we get 32 brigades. They form a guard because we always want to see the guys from the the active. Certainly. And and there's guys that come up from Petawawa, I think, sometimes from our board and too. So it's it's quite an event. Uh, we this is what the 95th or 96th year. They've been, 1921 was the first one. Wow. It's always been a, a big event, and uh, it's good to be involved. And I I like we're starting up in uh, this month on the 20th. We have our first meeting, and, it, and we prepare right, until to August. So it's uh it's we and it's quite a lot of military guys. There's uh from the first guards and the 48th and. I think I'm the only queen zone there, but <laughs> that's all right. That doesn't bother me. I think I, I, we all have fun, you know. We always rad each other. But I said we're going to do 140, and they all. <laughs> that's the thing you get. I still do with some of the. Well, I have a list of old RSMs, right? And we, what we should do, we should have an RSM reunion. We haven't had one, and I don't think you've ever been to one. Nope. Nope. The last one we did it was in Georgetown, and it was probably 10 years ago. Were you RSM 10 years ago? 2006. Yes, I was. Yeah, or it might have been before then. I think it was before then because Rod Pettigrew, I don't know if you heard that name before. No. He was the uh, the area sergeant major. So uh, maybe it was over 10 years ago, I think, Mike. Right. But we're trying to get that back in. I, I see uh, you were at the Garrison Ball last week, and it's great. Now they're opening up the NCOs. I see that. Yeah, that's right. And, well, I went twice when I was RSM, and I, I, I couldn't make it last week, but I seen that, that you were there. You're a captain now. You did the CFR. You had the ebonomy, did you? That's <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> no, no, it's great you want to stay in because you're still young, eh? Yeah, certainly. And then your son's in the 30, what, is he in the SIGs now, is he? That's right, 32 SIGs, Reggie. Okay, he comes all the way from Barry all the way down? <laughs> no, 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 there's a squadron in Barry. In, oh, in oh, Barry? Oh, did, oh, okay, that's good. See, they change a lot of things where they, like, see, the SIGs were never part of our, our brigade when I was in. It was called TMD then, right. Toronto Militia District. And, well, they and, used to have the communications reserve. Yeah, they were right. separate from the Army Reserve or the Naval Reserve or the Air Reserve. Those oh, yeah, right, yeah. So that's, my, yeah that's what I see. There's a lot of changes in... Uh, for the better or good, which you're looking at, why not? It looks pretty good. Certainly. The way it's going, the dress and different things. And it's good we have, that's why the association, I'm very involved with that. And we get, we go down Wednesday nights and we show, they know who the association is. And we've got over 100 soldiers now that are a member of the association. Excellent. And Which is great. And we uh, have, have draws for different things like a GPS or the different military. Yeah, I've always found that the association's of the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada and the Royal Regiment of Canada have always been very strong and very supportive and very visible. And that's a lot of the regimental associations tend to be in the background and you have to pull them out to the forefront where you guys are always visible, always front and center, not to interfere with the regiment, but very much there to support and be able to take on tasks that perhaps aren't appropriate for public funds or take on tasks that maybe need to be steered more to volunteer service rather than paid service. 
Oh, well, that's a quite same as in 2010 when we had the 150, when we had the, uh, the last, well, the Colonel-in-Chief, then uh, Prince Alexander, was the last time as Colonel-in-Chief. We, the association took that on, and we got the hotel, and the whole night, the whole weekend event was, we pretty well running, which is great. And the Colonel and the RSSM and the command people are at our meetings and everything else. But they said, oh, Certainly. when John Fotherham was the CEO, which I know very well, he said, okay, and the RSM was Sean Kelly, okay, like, it was, they even said, we were interviewed. We did an interview. Hmm. Uh, we have a, a video out for the 150, which I was interviewed too, and the command people. And even the, they even said that, like the association, it wasn't for the association taking on that task. Because you're training all the time, and that other extra activity takes a lot of time. So that's where we got involved. That's why we're trying to be more visible. And on Wednesday nights at the Armory, we, and the CO and the RSM are at our meeting or have a rep. Yeah, definitely. You know, the input and everything else. And we, we just... Our Padre John Niles, you probably heard that name. Yep, definitely. He's an excellent. He's going regular force. That's right. I know. I said, oh, "You're right, John." Oh, he, he, got, he had a, he had his own church in Markham, and so, but he was very good. And see, another thing I do, I'm, I'm the health and welfare chairman, and going and seeing our veterans and soldiers too. If they're if they're in a, a hospital or whatever, but going to Sunnybrook and going to homes where, where veterans are, we we make a point of doing that. And I've got the this past year the turnover from the regiment we had 10 at christmas time where we give our veterans a, like a christmas basket yeah 10 from the regiment that was great excellent and we're, and we're getting more explosion out there and they know more about the facebook and the uh, and we're we got one uh, this corporal in the regiment uh, she's taking that task on doing the facebook and their website well speaking about people who is the greatest influence or who is the most memorable character that you've encountered during your service Okay, I've got to say it's my uncle. Yep. Sid Byatt was, he was in for 30, 40 years, but he had that handlebar mustache. He stood out. I learned quite a lot from him how to fit polished boots, <laughs> how to iron no properly, and the dress was, and especially, I always looked up to him, uh, but it's like when he was RSM, the dress-wise. Dress, and, and I learned the, the F from him, the three Fs, of being fair, firm, and fair. You know, I think it's so fair, firm, and friendly. <laughs> friendly, yeah, yeah, and that's where I learned from. But he he had his moments too when he was out there. And I don't ever seen any pictures of him, but that's the way he was. He was well respected, and that's what I say. He, he always told me that when you're RSM, you're your own man, but you don't make you're not friendly. You're like you're away from the, your other senior officials. You got to be your own person, and that's what I wanted to be, and that's why I'd always looked up to him. Excellent. He wasn't the only one. I mentioned Harry Fox. Right. He joined the regiment in 1932. And when he went over to Vimy in 1936 when it was built. And he showed me some pictures. And he was the old W01. And his job back then, he was RSM when they went to England in 1942 or 43. And he wanted to get in action. So what happened? There was an opening. He went to become RSM of the Hasty Peas. <laughs> in Italy. So he fought through Italy, which was a hard fought war. Right. And in Italy, and his job was, and it, it was tough. he would supply the ammunition and the food and everything else for the troops. And he was a member of the British Empire. They nominated him and he, he got presented with a member of the British Empire. Wow. But he come in there new. It's nothing like coming in new. It's like, okay, Brian, you're going to be the RSM of the Torah Scots or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. No, it could have been RSM of the Torah Scots. Oh, did they offer it to you? Want to hear that story? Go ahead. <laughs> that was before it was RSM of the Queen's Own. Right. But what they, the W01 
the RSM back in wartime to now is a completely different role. He was more in the field. He didn't do the fit and polish on parade, drilling, all that stuff, because there wasn't much of that going on. Oh, well, they did a bit of it, but not as much as we, well, we try to keep up with that tradition of you know, or your drilling, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brian, are there any memorable characters that you've run into during your service? Oh, yes, there's a few of them. The famous, I call uh, Eric Simonson, Major Oh, yes, right. I don't know if you know Eric. Eric was yes. my first warrant officer. Okay. He was my first platoon warrant officer. And I learned a lot from him. He was a character in himself, but he he could have been, a, he was a mean son of a bun sometimes. But, but you know what he was trying to be? He was, a, like, he was a character and i followed his advice and what things to do and i and i learned a lot from eric simonson now he was the rsm of the regiment is that correct? Yeah, he was the rsm and then he commissioned he was rsm back in 1980 and then he commissioned after he got out and he went up far as major right yeah he was at patterson funeral actually memorial yeah i was stuck in yeah up north i know i seen that you would have been there i know you would have been there I certainly would have same with Webb. He was somewhere, too. Yeah, he was with me out in Moose and Thunder Bay and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's it unfortunate the way it went, but it was a nice send-off for Patty. And there's another guy, Scott Patterson. Yeah. I remember when he came in the ranks, and I see him progress. He was a great soldier, He was, and he was learning a lot. And I was so proud of him when he made RSM, and I actually spoke about that at the parade. Do you have any anecdotes that are family-friendly that you can share about Scott Patterson? Because I, I knew his family, and they were great people, too. And his dad was CO back in the service town years ago. But And he his antidote was saying, Brian, I'm going to be RSM one day. And I said, I know you will, Scott. <laughs> Just keep going the way you are. And I promoted him. To, I, w- I promoted him to Warren Officer, and that's and then I, I retired then, or I went, up, I went up to the battle school then. That's one thing he said. I'm going to have your job like you said be an RSM one day. And I and I was I, I was happy when he said he, he set his goal and he made it. Yeah, certainly. And he got to be the RSM of his father's former unit as yeah, well. Yeah, former unit. Oh, yeah, that's why I was at Heath Parade, too. And I knew the family. I knew the mother very well because I had an incident. I don't know if you're aware of. I was in the, I'm an amputee. You're not aware of that, are you? I have been. I just don't remember when I became aware of that. Well, in 1998, in a work-related accident, lost my left leg below the knee. Right. And Patterson was very good, and his mother would come and see me at St. John's when I was doing rehab. It was a recovery, at, and it was, and I had a lot of support from the regiment, I'll tell you that. Right. These guys come and see me, and I, that kept me going, motivated. And I, I actually, I, I helped I set up a support group in St. John's rehab. Right. You got to get on with it, you know what I mean? And that's Certainly. Where, and that's gets me going, and the support I had from them and family but uh, Scott was very good. And John Wilmot, I don't know if you remember John. Yes, I do. Another one, he was RSM before him. And uh, there's another character, and you just met him this week, and we talked about you yesterday, Mike Holland. Okay, yeah. Because you were in the Army, and he said, oh, Mike Lacroix. Like, oh, geez, I said, oh, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. <laughs> Tell him that directly, but I, then I heard your name. Because Mike Holland was actually my first platoon warrant when I went to summer camp in 71. I just got promoted. To, he ran the corporal's course, and then we went to, up to uh, Petawawa for summer concentration. So I learned a lot from Mike. His background, I'm glad to see he's still going at doing cadets and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. That's the thing I do. I do motivation speaking, too. I did it at St. John's, and I'm still working, so I'm not retired fully, but I still have a presentation that I do. I helped out Jody Minnick. You know Jody? Yeah, absolutely. Jody and I are good friends. We did the 5K run at the for Kelly's Canada. 
I just seen him at the Black Watch dinner in January at the Red Hackle, and he was the one of the speakers. Oh, he's got his book out now, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I have a copy. Oh, I, brought, I brought my book, eh, and he signed that. <laughs> I, got a, I got a copy from somewhere. Somebody sent me a copy of it. I Probably it could have been him. And we compare things, because I can remember he was down in the dumps when he was in Toronto, and he went to St. John's. And my, oh, I call her the master, my therapist, physical therapist, who was fantastic, uh, Charlene. Well, her patient was Jody, and Jody was having a hard time, so she called me. It was on June the 6th, D-Day, and I just did a D-Day thing at the Armory. Right. I went up there in my association dress and uh, went over and talked to him, and I showed him what I could do and everything else, and he's both like, I didn't one, but he, and, and we got, ta- we talked for hours, and so we become good friends. Yeah, excellent. Happy that what happened now, now he's a counselor in New Orleans, he, I know his wife, he's got two kids, he's doing fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So I felt good about that, because I got an award last year, right? No, I didn't know. Go ahead. Okay. In 2014, I got a phone call from Veterans Affairs from up north, and they said, Colonel Lake, they are, and Brian Budden. I said, yes, well, congratulations. Well, you've been nominated for the Combination Award from Veterans Affairs. Wow. Oh, nice. So I got that in September of 2014. There was 20 of us from Ontario, and that time it was PC. It was uh, Bantino. Right. He was the, uh, the minister, and we had a, a function out in Mississauga that saved the hotel, and we had a, a dinner. It was very well done. And they call you up, and nice big frame, certificate with your name on it. I wear a bar underneath my medals. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Craig Hood just got one last year. Yes, he did. At the beginning of the year, yeah. He was down, he got it from Marinal Tool. And so there's this tool. Actually, there's another Queen's Own that's got it. General Pryor's got it. He got it back in 2007 because he sent me a nice email. said, Brian, you're not the only one, you know. <laughs> hey, General. Okay, no, he got it. You can look on their website, Veterans Affairs. That's why I got a keen outlook about Veterans Affairs. I met the new one last week. Right. Yeah, did you meet him? At the Garrison Ball, yes. Well, I met him already twice before you have met <laughs> Quite a character. Uh, Kent. I met him on the, the Thursday night at Casa Loma. Right. We did the Vimy to Juno. We were involved in that because our museum's here, but we did it on the main floor. So I got an opportunity to meet him then. And then he come to our Legion. And the service officer called me one veterans to go there. So I went there and we had a nice chat, actually. And then he said, I'm going to Garrison Ball tonight. Oh, I said, you have a good old time. So <laughs> apparently he did, eh? Yes, he did. Very well known in Calgary, Alberta. I looked up his background, and it's unfortunate what happened to him, but, I mean, he's taken something like that. That's what I've done. I mean, I've taken something that happened to me, and I said, I could have been in the dumps and not do anything, right? But you get on, it's, a, it's up in the mind. You want to get motivated, and that's what I started. Doing. Well, perhaps that's leading us into the final question. What was the greatest challenge you had to overcome? Well, that was probably the greatest challenge I ever had to overcome of losing, losing a limb or part of your body is a big challenge, and you had your ups and downs, and I did have my ups and downs, but I carried on and perseverance and I made who I am now and uh, that's the way I'm going to be. Any anecdotes or stories you can tell about your challenge? I learned that you're not alone in these challenges. You're not alone with your friends, family, friends and everything that helps pull you through. And that's where I've taken that on uh, this little anecdote I had like, and you're not alone. You keep carrying on. <laughs> Absolutely. Soldiering on, I call it. And that's where they know me from work because they know my background. And I had one of our vice presidents just retire. And one thing she did mention about the stuff I did with veterans and your background. And she would ask me because her husband loved military. And, well, Brian, what do you think of this, that, or whatever? So 
I'm the group leader when we go on these tours. Right. And some people have in their bucket list. We had one from Saskatchewan, a nice couple, the Browns. They just seen it somewhere. It was in uh, Legion Magazine or somewhere that the Queen's Own were having a trip. He didn't know if you weren't Queen's Own, you go on. No, I said, no problem. So we had a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there was maybe 10 or 15 that uh, were not associated with the Queen's Own. But what they seen, what we did in that two weeks, it was great. Yeah. You're not alone on these things, and that's where I feel like, hey, you had some rough times, but you go back to it and build up. And when I see my daughters and my grandkids, that's what gets me going to <laughs> the family. It is. It is very. And my daughter was six years old when she did the curtsy and the flowers to Princess Alexandria in 1985. <laughs> Wow. She's on video tape too. CTV was there. Excellent. I was a certain major back then. It was, you got, you pull there's a lot of memories going back and I'll never forget them. Would I do it all over again? Sure. Why not? <laughs> so that was the opportunity. And somebody always says, Brian, you bleed green. <laughs> And that's where I get involved, and I have the utmost respect for veterans. Well, Brian, typically at this point of the episode, I ask you to talk about what's keeping you busy now, but I think you've summarized that fairly effectively. Can you just take a moment and summarize your episode? Okay, Mike. I think this episode has been very enjoyable to get to know background of individuals or what they've done to serve Canada in the armed forces. So I think this is a great thing you're doing, and I hope people listen to it. Very good. I really appreciate this. I'm telling people I was doing it today, and they said, oh, gee, that's great. And I've listened to most of them. That's where I got the idea, and then I talked to you about it. And Well, Brian, it's been great talking to you. I always appreciate having a quick word with you, and certainly the next time we see each other, we'll have a little bit more to talk about. I don't know what event I'll be invited to or you'll be invited to that will cross paths again, but I'll certainly look forward to meeting you again in the future. Okay, Mike. Take Thanks care. a lot. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at cmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. End tag music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike LaCroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defense. This is a Mike LaCroix Production.